All right, baby. Let's do it, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Nice Grass, Nice People. I'm here with my partner in crime, Mr. Christopher Durr, fresh off of a full day of golf. And uh, I gotta tell you, good people, you know, first podcast back after a couple of months of uh, paternity leave. And I am just so happy there are just savages out there actually playing golf competitively. Knows, Mr. Durr, I gotta tell you, for someone that was out on the golf course getting a lot of sun today, uh, granted, this is an audio format, but listeners, be assured, this man is looking delightful right now. How are you, sir? I'm doing fantastic, man. I am doing fantastic. I, I am uh, I'm more than happy to take the take charge of playing golf while you are doing your due diligence as a uh, as a father, dude. But uh, yeah, played some competitive golf today. It was a great day. It was very hot in San Diego today. It was like our first very hot day of the year. Uh huh. So uh, I've got the little bit of sun exposure, a little sun tired, but we're doing okay. We're Good. doing okay. We're hanging in there, baby. <laughs> Good. Well, I mean, so first of all, I, I can't believe I, you know, did, didn't nail this off the top, but uh, happy U.S. Open week to you. Uh, this is especially great, you know, being a hot day in San Diego. We're about to have a major championship right here in our home state, right in your, right in your backyard. And I, I, is this heat wave something that's going to be in effect this week? Because I know up here in the Bay Area, we're getting like a little heat wave this week. And I'm, is, is, is that going to be the case down there as well? Oh, yeah, for sure. But Tori's always right there on the cliffs, you know? It's right above the bluffs, above Black's Beach. Fun fact, that beach that you're going to see on TV, you know, a thousand times this week is yes. actually a nude beach. So there's a reason they don't zoom in. Um, wow. But Great fun knowledge. fact for everybody. But, yeah, right there on that on that bluff right there, dude, it always stays very uh, very cloudy. That marine layer, for some reason, just sticks there. So I think it'll be pretty cloudy for the morning, boys. And then – uh. In the afternoon, it might clear up. It might not. It's to- super finicky, but it'll definitely be warm, which might make it feel a little humid out there for the boys because uh, the heat wave is definitely coming, man. I think our hottest day of the week is going to be Friday. So. Really? Firm and, ter- Tory will be firm and fast. Don't you worry. Do you think they're going to let the golf course bake a little bit so it r- plays a little faster, or is that just anti-Tory pints? Because I feel like the rub you hear on it from a lot of people is that it just plays long and kind of slow because the grass... I don't think it's Kikuyu in the fairways, but I know it is in the rough a little bit. Yeah, it just grabs the ball, right? So is is the kind of golf course where it doesn't really matter if it dries out? It's just going to be – I don't know. I've, I've never played there before. This is why I rely on you. From what I've heard through the grapevine down here is that they've got it very firm, very fast on the fairways and greens, and the rough is sticky and the rough is long. Uh, so they've got it running firm and fast, but there's no, they're apparently what they're doing. They're not doing any graduated rough. Remember that they had that little graduated rough yes. kick. So it's going to be a lot of green fairway and then thick rough, not going to be a lot of in between, but apparently the fairways and greens are very firm and very fast. So they will be running. So premium on hitting the fairways as always with us opens, but the Kikuya will be lush and wet and the fairways will be firm and fast. So it can be quite dicey for the boys. Hmm. Do you think anybody with like, I mean, what, what's like the, you know, the green and regulation percentage for any of these players this week that have something other than a wedge in their hands if they're playing out of that Kukuya rough? Is it, is it, do you think it's going to be nasty enough to the point where the best players in the world are going to be struggling to put the center of the club face on the ball? You know, with, with yeah, the, for sure. Okay. It's just so, it's just so sticky. So it's hard to like predict how it comes out. It's really hard to predict how it comes out actually. Like sometimes you'll catch one and it goes 20 yards further than normal. And other times you'll catch one and it goes like 30 yards shorter than normal. And they feel pretty much exactly the same. Yeah. So it's like – and then obviously if you chunk one, then you see the balls that go like 10 yards. But for the most part, if you put like a decent swing on it, you know, you just have like a huge variance in how the ball is going to come out. 
especially with like an eight iron dude. I feel like you can nuke an eight iron for no reason out of Kakuya, and then other times you can literally like hit it your gap wedge number, and you're like, well, that makes absolutely no sense. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's funny. We do not get to play on any Kakuya up in Northern California, really. I mean, only when I travel to like slow or south. I feel like, uh, and it's the one time I played on it in the last couple of years, I was clueless. I don't think I came within 10 yards of a green on an approach shot from the rough. I, I could not figure it out. Now, again, the guys that are playing this week, I, probably better than a seven handicap. I, I, I think they're, they're a little more skilled, you know? It, they're, they're even a cut above you, and you are a phenomenal stick. So I, I, I feel like they'll be okay, but it, I, that's what I'm going to be really interested to see. I think so too. I think the, another really good thing to pay attention to just with that Kakuya is how it's going to react to short game shots. Cause that's like, you still have that same variance, but with very short shots, you know? So if there's no graduated rough and then you're missing greens, not even on the short side, if you miss a green in a good spot on the fat side, it'll still be really tough to judge how that's going to come out, especially with that 60 degree or 56 or whatever wedge they're trying to use. Cause the ball sometimes will sit up in the Kakuya, you know, it won't sit all the way down on the bottom. So if mm-hmm. you like try to make a good strike at it, it'll catch it like really high on the face. And then you just end up looking like a dummy. Cause it only goes like a yard <laughs> and you're like, man, that felt pretty good, but it only, it, I mean, I almost hit it again while it was in the air, you know, like my club <laughs> passed the golf ball before the golf ball reached its apex. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I think it's just wild. It's just funny. I kind of like seeing the guys struggle on a, uh, on shitty grass, because like I mean, I think from my understanding, Poana and Kakuya are both weeds, you know. So like you're, they're mm. just playing on like a weed-filled golf course as opposed to like some beautiful bent or Bermuda like manicured lawn, you know. So it's so, always fun to see them like really get kind of ejected by like just somewhat shitty like rub of the green type things. I agree, man. I totally agree. And so yeah, that, that's what, that's another thing. What's so great about the U.S. Open is like it is fun to watch these guys play really really hard golf courses right and you know historically outside of Aaron Hills you know you know the U.S. Open is always one of those you know couple under under par probably you know usually does win um what what's been the winning score at the Farmers here the last couple years I'm I'm blanking off the top of my head bro it's anywhere I think so I think Snedeker won it like five years ago in 2016 at like six or seven under Uh and then I think Leash when he won it two years ago was like 17 under and I know hmm. Tiger, when Tiger used to win, it would get to, like, 19 under. Yeah. So it's like, okay, hold on a second. And then other times, dude, like Patrick Reed, I think, won this year at 13 under. And look, he dusted the field. I think the next guy was, like, 7 or 8 or 9 under, like, in that realm, you know? Okay. He was the only guy double digits. So I'm actually quite curious to see Like, how exactly tricked out is that. it going to be? Like, I mean, what, what if, well, like... How, like, what's, yeah, what's the scoring going to be? Because, like, it, if, like... Tell, you could tell me right now that winning score is going to be 12 under, and I'd be like, well, yeah, I could see that, you know? Mm-hmm. Like if someone's hitting it good and making putts, then yeah, I could definitely see that, which is totally not a traditional U.S. Open score. But I feel like you see twelve or thirteen or half at at the at the farmers. And then like and the only other example you really have of it is Pebble, right? But like Pebble, what I mean, Gary Woodland was a couple under when he won. I feel like he was mm-hmm. a decent amount under par. I, I wish I could remember exactly off the top of my head, but so and I mean they always go super low at the AT&T too so I don't know I, I, I feel like there's a chance someone will go low but who knows I don't have the actual number in front of me but it looks like at the Farmers Insurance Open in 2008 Tiger won by eight strokes right yeah and then he yeah. ties Rocco Media what it was it one under even one under one or, under was one, one, under. Under, one under for the U.S. Open so is are they going to have the course set up where it's difficult enough where if there is somebody out there that's you know looking to boat race everybody like Tiger did at the, at the Farmers in 2008, 
and it brings him back to the field. Do you think they'll have the golf course set up to be difficult enough where it will have that effect and make it so there's a bunch of guys in the mix all around, even par or something? Like, can, can, with all the advances in technology and how much further the guys are hitting it right now, can they still keep Torrey Pines as a venue where like a minus one could win this thing? I don't know. I don't, I don't. That, yeah, I'm fascinated. And that's what gets back to that Kakuya grass. I wonder if they can make it just nasty enough where like, if you don't hit a fairway, you fucked. I, I, okay. So I'd love to see that. So by the way, Gary Woodland won at 13 under. So just, hmm. just for reference at, at Pebble, I would love to see that, but I don't know if they can. Cause like they can't, I don't know where they can. I mean, the guys are just so good now. It just trips me out. Cause like, where are they going to hide stuff? Like, even if you look at the caliber of player in 2008 to now, it's leaps and bounds better now, which is, you know, that's, it's in, it'll be really interesting to see how it plays at like a traditionally dubbed like bruiser of a U.S. Open venue. Let's see if like it actually gets like drummed this week, you know, yeah. like it'll be very curious to see. It'll be very because like I honestly think it might I think it'll be closer to like an Aaron Hills or Pebble Beach U.S. Open than it will be like a winged foot or like a, you know, Marion U.S. Open. Shinnecock, a couple of them, Brooks won. Yeah. yeah, but Brooks was still so Brooks when he won at Shinnecock was, was under one over, him? one over, which is good. Oh. That one's solid. Shinnecock played tough. Over par, Justin Rose at Marion over par, Webb Simpson at Olympic over par. But then you get like all kinds of crazy crap, like Rory sixteen hmm. deep at Congressional. So okay, so here, how about this? How about this? So in 2010, two years after the Torrey Pines U.S. Open, Graham McDowell won at Pebble Beach with the score of even par. Uh. Nine years later, Gary Woodland won at 13 under. And, like, I can't imagine that they did too much different to to the Open at Pebble, right? And Tiger in 08, two years before that, was at minus one. And now Torrey's coming back. It, dude, I feel like it's just trending to be one of those U.S. Opens where it's, like, 10, 11, 12 under wins, which is going to be wild to see because I think low-key, that'll bring more people into it. Like, I know we want yeah. we just want a bunch of leaderboards, but I feel like if a lot of guys are making birdies, I feel like that kind of suits a lot of guys, and it kind of takes that major pressure of, like, the U.S. Open away a little bit, right? It brings other guys into it. Yeah. Yeah, because I think, like, some of, like, the Shinnecock and a lot of these golf courses, I feel like, where something around even or one under has won, it's one. Of, it's it's always at a place where if you miss the green, getting up and down is, like, you got to go to work, right? You got to, like, you got to yeah. work your ass off to get up and down to save your par. And for whatever reason, again, this is based off me having played Torrey Pine South zero times in my life. I just feel like from what I've seen at the Farmers, it's not the kind of golf course where dudes need to hit a like a nearly perfectly executed, you know, shot from around the green and then have to make a pretty tough putt. It just doesn't seem like the greens at Torrey are wild and crazy enough where guys are going to be sweating over like four and five footers. But, but again, would I be able to make a bunch of four and five footers out there? No, but I'm also not, you know, playing in the U.S. Open. But I, I don't know. Am, it, I, am I off base yeah. there? No, not at all. Because the green complexes there aren't bold, right? They're not like big, bold, contoured or big, bold, like features on them or like mm -hmm. crazy runoffs. Like they're very much like the bluffs run out into the ocean, right? So like everything breaks towards the ocean, obviously, and you're on a pretty severe slope. And it's a much, it's much hillier than I think people really give, not hillier up and down, but like hillier left to right, right? Like, yeah. cause the golf course runs back and forth. Sure. Uh, north and south, you know, against the cliffs and like it slopes really hard east to west, like towards the ocean. Mm -hmm. Um, 
But anyway, that, that there's not a lot of runoffs. Like there's not a lot of room for greens to run off. So the greens are pretty. I don't. I don't. I hesitate to say simple, but like they're very. They're kind of slightly raised up most of the time. They're kind of like on a flattish level with like gnarly breaks. So yeah, I don't think that like. I think it's just going to be a ball striking premium, and if it's a ball striking premium, then there'll be enough guys who give themselves enough looks to get to eight or nine under par. Because hmm. one of them's just going to get hot with that flat stick and start hooping, even though it's Poana and people complain about it. The four and five footers won't have a bunch of gnarly break, but they might just be a hair bumpy in the afternoon. Yeah, yeah, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention my boy Jeff Shackelford. You know, in the podcast, I was reading some of his reporting leading up to it, and as usual, he's just crushing Tory Pine, saying that it's a super. Like, not even mediocre. He's like, it's just not a very good golf course, it kind of, which kind of stinks because the land is so good. Is, is, as, as a San Diego resident, do you take offense to somebody, a, a, a Los Angeles resident coming in and trashing your beloved Muni? It's hard to, it's hard to take offense to something when someone's right. <laughs> uh, you know, like if, if someone's, if someone's telling the truth, then like, you know, it's really, it's a, it becomes a you problem if you're offended, right? <laughs> <laughs> so you would you, you would kind of agree, like you you think the golf course has could be way way better than it is in its current form. Yes, I love Torrey Pines as a municipal facility for everything that it stands for in the grand scheme of San Diego golf. It for is sure. a beacon of municipal golf in the country. It is a facility that has 36 holes of awesome condition, awesomely conditioned golf courses that are accessible to anybody with a San Diego City resident card where it's very easy to get tee times and play a cheap rate and like play a legitimately world-class golf course in air quotes world-class because it's hosts PGA Tour events and US Open so like naturally if you do and that it sits, you and it sits on one of the most beautiful pieces of property that the golf has been allowed you know to, to build a course on right exactly but then like but is it you know is it a golf course that should be mentioned in the same breath as some of like the you know the top fifty golden age great golf courses across the country that don't even have to be on the ocean you know like no absolutely not it doesn't even deserve it's not in the same league so Torrey Pines is very interesting and polarizing as a San Diego person because you'd get a lot of people who defend it vehemently you know, yeah and say it's the best I, I, I would golf imagine course so. in the world. yeah I have I even have friends you know that are like dude it's literally the best golf course and then they they use the metric. So low-key, I'm secretly rooting for a low under par U.S. Open because I have so many friends that, like, fall back on the merit that, like, well, Tiger won the U.S. Open and he was only one under at Torrey, so it has to be a good golf course because it's hard. And it's like, I don't even know where to begin to take that <laughs> argument apart. Like, I, I, I just I just want to rip you on every part of that sentence, but I – yeah, just – and, and any way that you're going to – any way that I choose to approach this discussion, you're just going to, like, deny me with, with – you're just going to bar me for the sake of barring me. You're not even going to listen to what I'm saying. You're just going to be like, no, dude, you don't know what you're saying. Tiger, one under. And you're like, oh, my God. All right, fine. You're right. You're right. Do, dude, do these on. guys, like, love playing Torrey Pine South, or do they just love it as a professional venue? No, they hate playing it, but they just think it's, like, such a sick professional venue. But I don't even think it's, like, the best professional test of golf, right? Like, somewhere like Shinnecock is such a good test of golf. Like, that, you gotta golf your ball around that place, dude. Where Torrey Pines, like, obviously you gotta golf your ball, but, like, not like you do at some of those other places. You don't have to use every tool in your arsenal. You I, feel, I feel like Torrey Pines, again, this is, you know, this prognosticating is not the most refined thing, but I feel like if there's just a guy out there that just gets hot with the driver and is just hitting, like, a ton of fairways, like, Dude, I mean, is, that's all it's got. I shouldn't say this. If one of like the top twenty players in the world gets like hot with the driver, right? 
and the rest of their game is solid. It's like it's just game over, done. Like yeah, there's there's no there's no real place you can miss it around those greens that's like auto double, you know? Like there's no like there's no crazy like feature where it's like, dude, if you're left of this, like I mean, I keep thinking of Bandon, right? But you think of like Bandon trails like left on 13, right? It's like, dude, if you're there, like you're liable to make a seven, you you're know? Dead. Like you get like it's just it's just a gnarly thing you're to dead. deal with. Where like there's nowhere at Tory. Like, there's nowhere at Tory around the greens where you can hit it and be like, oh, my God, like, I am dead. Like, even if you're just <laughs> super short-sighted to a green that somewhat runs away from you, you'll just go like, well, I'll just carry it onto the green, and then it'll roll to 25 feet or 30 feet, and then I'll just try to make that. But if I don't, I'm making five, you know, and I'm out of here with bogey, especially for those elite players, you know. Yeah. Because the chances that them actually three putting the guys who are in the lead, you know, are not going to be three putting that. They're just going to chip it to the fat side and two putt and get out of there with their bogey. So, I mean, yeah, it'll, it could be a driving clinic. It could be a ball striking clinic. I think whoever wins is going to put on a low key ball striking clinic. Clinic, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know. So Tory, I don't. I don't want to sit here and shit on Tory all the time, you know, and like how bad it is. Of course, it's really like, like say, the positives of Tory far outweigh. The negatives, the negatives, as you're saying before, right? I mean, it's still then, a beacon of municipal it, golf. Exactly. And then the whole municipal system here in San Diego, too. I mean, might as well take a minute to shout out Mission Bay and Balboa Park, which are the other two municipal facilities here that absolutely rip, dude. Mission Bay is like a 18-hole executive course with four par fours and a bunch of wedges, and they keep those greens nice, dude. Like, I don't think you understand. Those greens are firm and fast and heavily sloped. And that place, Mission Bay, which is it's a little south of Torrey Pines, that place has some greens where if you miss it in a spot and you're just like, dude, I am dead, dead. And it's cool because you're hitting literally like 85-yard shots to like – I mean, there's a couple good holes. There's like a 220 par 3 and there's like a bunch of like 130s and 140s and, you know, 125. Like, it's just a good mix of like short to mid irons, you know, uh, and that place is awesome. And a lot, apparently a lot of the grounds crew that works at Tory also works down there at mission Bay. And I mean, like you gotta like, so that like that has to get bunched into the municipal golf in San Diego or the municipal golf facility or like the engine that is Tory pines, because frankly, Tory subsidizes all of those golf courses, right? Like the farmer subsidizes that the U S open subsidizes that. So like, you know, if that's what it takes, to like get to keep Mission Bay and Balboa Park in in the shape that they're in, dude, and like as that much play as they get and as much as they mean to like the San Diego City residents, then yeah, like you know, Tory rips for that. Tory absolutely Radical. rips for that. That's awesome. Yeah, it's um. Well, other than the golf course, what's uh? What are you? I don't know. What what are you most looking forward to? What, what is there like a storyline or is there just something specifically about this U.S. Open that's just got you particularly like just fascinated i mean like i said i was talking about the kaguya rough and like how hard the course is playing any other storylines or anything like that that you've got your eye on that you're uh excited to see uh i mean especially given the fact that uh, i believe you're going to be on ground uh on site on thursday i will be on site on thursday walking around very excited for that i'm just excited to see a bunch of the boys play golf i think this u.s open feels pretty wide open i could be wrong right but it feels I'm, like i get the same sense it feels wide open and i'm just excited to see my home like you know a course in my in my city on TV, like that's going to be so freaking rad. And then one of the things that's really catching my eye, dude, I, have you been following this Joe Highsmith guy? I have, I have not. He's the lefty from Pepperdine, dude. They just won the national championship. I saw, and the, one, bro, I saw this, the one the ship. Dude, 
this dude is so nice at golf, it makes no sense, dude. Like, it's, he's, he's literally like 20 or 21. He's in, he's in college, so he's less than 22, you know? And okay, I did the US Open local this year. Hooray me. Shot a million. Don't ask. <laughs> and, uh, and I did it at this place called the Andalusia, dude, in the desert. And it was playing like 7,600 yards and it was windy and the greens were firm and fast. And dude, these Tight. pins were tucked, dude. It was, it was hard. Like it was just such a fucking fun tournament to play, dude. And this dude, Joe Highsmith shot 65 with a bogey, dude. And I did not see that out there anywhere. Fun fact, dude. What? I did not, I did not see it anywhere. Having gone anywhere through the gauntlet myself, it did not appear to be out there. It did not appear to be out there, dude. And he nuked, dude. Like the next guy was at 69 and there was like a playoff at 69 for like, it was like he shot 65 and then everybody else was at 69. And I was like, whoa. Wow. This guy must be nice. I saw him hit some balls on the range, and I was like, dude, this guy's move is pure. And then I watched him for the national championships, and he just straight up bullied the guys he was playing. Dude, everybody in match play couldn't even hold a candle to him. He's just like, I don't know. And he qualified, obviously. Cause, and then, so he meddled at our site, at the local site, then he went to the sectional site up in Washington and obviously fucking meddled there too, cause he's fucking <laughs> nice. <I should say. laughs> and so it's like, okay, and then now he's just playing in the US Open. And he's just playing, I clearly just playing some killer golf. So. And the Pepperdine kid gets to stay in Southern California and compete in the U.S. Open. I mean, it's, it, that's, you know, not, not to keep saying it, but that's, that's a nice situation right there for, for, for young Highsmith. Yeah, dude. He's a, he's, he's from Washington and he always, Loki always wears big sun hats like I do too. So immediately drawn to that guy. I'm like, that guy obviously fucking gets it, dude. Sun protection is key. And, <laughs> and, and it's just pure lefty, dude. I don't know. I'm so curious to see how he does. Po, he's friendly on Poa and friendly on Kakuya, plays all that at Pepperdine, you know? So it's like, and he's Loki obviously coming off a lot of confidence, dude. So, uh, I, I'm really excited for that. I always love seeing the AMs and what the AMs are doing, you know, whatever AM made it through. And he's like my, my AM to watch, dude. I took him in a bet as low lefty over Phil. I was like, dude, he's smoking Phil this week. I was say, speaking of the man, what do you what do you think about the uh, defending major champions' chances uh, in in his own backyard? What what do you think? I, do you think the San Diego lefty native has any chance at Tory Pines? I don't think he has any chance to win, but I mean, I think it'd be cool if he made the cut. I mean, dude, how cool is it that he won the PGA? Okay, like, so that's I, I, honestly I, I, the sickest thing you've ever. Sorry, so everybody, I know this is a U.S. Open preview. We got we got to take just a couple minute detour here. I have not had a chance to talk to you nor anybody. I this is my first podcast back since uh, Young Guy Surlo was born, and so you know, I, I've been watching a lot of golf, but have not been podcasting. I've not had a chance to talk to many of my good friends uh, about this. I mean, feel free to take it, but. How about that fucking PGA championship? I How about after, the fact that we were blessed with that? <laughs> Did you think Phil had any chance to win after the first hole on Sunday? Yes. You still you still Honestly, have faith. Dude, after Saturday I was like, dude, he's winning. Like there's no way okay, so he had the thirty six and fifty four hole lead. Yeah. When he took the thirty six hole lead, I was like, damn, Phil Loki buck in his head, you know? And I was like, Well, moving day. Like I I did not expect the round the Saturday round out of him. And then when he did the Saturday round and took the Sunday lead, I was like, there's no way this dude's losing. He, hey, you're 50, dude. Like he knows how to beat. He's just gonna beat you. Like he's been doing this for 30 years, literally, dude. And like, this is quite frankly, his last shot. And I think he knew that too. So I was like, dude, 
Phil is a force, man, and like Phil gets overlooked, and I've been vehemently anti-Phil my whole career because I've just been a Tiger stan, and I love Tiger Same. with my whole entire being. So I'm always anti-Phil because he was always <laughs> the one pushing Tiger. But like that win at the PGA Championship just like opened my eyes to like, dude, this poor bastard is just like he has almost 50 wins on tour, six majors, oldest major champion ever. And he's always going to be number two when he's doing literal goat shit. And he's been doing goat shit for 30 years. Like, I had so much appreciation for it. And I got to a point where on Saturday after the round, I was like, "There's, it'd be sad if he lost. Like, there's no way you can, you have to root for Phil. Because if he loses, it would be the saddest thing since Tom Watson. And I'm only allowed to go through one of those in my life. Honestly, I don't need to yeah. That, and it's funny. After one, when Brooks birdies, right? And he, I'm like, oh, no. It, but once he chipped in, uh, was it four or five or whatever? When he chipped in out of the bunker, I, I knew that after that, I had a hundred percent confidence that he was going to do it. Uh, and it's just amazing, man. It's crazy to think like, again, I hope I'm not fucking the stat up, but like Phil has more major championships than Seve Ballesteros. Yeah. That's Dude, Phil's wild. a goat. I, I don't like Phil's a goat. Ph- Phil is yeah. all literally all in the Tiger era. Like, did it like head to head with Tiger? Like, that's crazy. You know, I would, t- I would take. I would take Phil. I think I would take Phil over almost any generational grade except for Jack. You think so, huh? Oh yeah, dude. If like Phil and Ben Hogan are playing, like I'm taking Phil, dude. If Phil and Arnold Palmer are playing, dude, I'm taking Phil for, same, for same sure, equipment. dude. Same equipment, everything's same. Like you know, it's equal level playing field, any golf course, dude. Bro, I'm taking lefty. Like that's that's literal goat shit. What he's do, what he did, dude. That was insane. That's an incredible thought exercise to think about. Yeah, because I mean. Does anybody, I don't know, does anybody know how to do more things with the golf ball than Phil Mickelson? I, I mean, I, I bet you he has, he knows all the same stuff that Tiger does. It's just he just didn't execute it, I guess, quite as well at, you know, when they were at their peaks. It's just fucking insane. And Phil, I, Phil can do so many things with the golf ball. And most importantly is put it in the fucking hole. He can put it in the hole from literally anywhere, dude. And it's like, and it's, Wild how he's legitimately thinking that every time, too. It's like, I'll just cut this seven iron, it'll catch the slope, jizz a little left, and then it might catch the hole. And sometimes it does, dude, which just makes no sense. (laughs) Oh, man. It would be so fun to watch Phil be in contention again. I I feel like we're getting a little greedy. You know, it's like kind of one of those things where, like, when Tiger was coming back, like, oh, I hope he's going to be like, I just hope he, like, doesn't WD. Like, you know, I just don't want him. And, like, now it's, you know, that's the same thing with Phil. It's like, do you think he can win again, dude? I don't think he can win again, but man, oh, oh man, I think he's – I mean, like, the, the PGA was literally the one – like, again, poor Phil living in the Tiger era, right? Because, like, had the 2019 Masters not happened, then the 2021 PGA Championship would have literally been the greatest moment in golf history. Right. So it's like Phil – like, and so that's why I'm, like, taking Phil against – Phil versus everybody on earth but Tiger and Jack, I think. Yeah. And, and and the history of the game of golf, I'm taking Phil because like he's he does things like that, dude. He does things like that. I don't know, dude. Sir Nick Faldo has as many major championships as Phil does. You're not taking Nick? No, dude. <laughs> Nick can Nick can go kick rocks. <laughs> yeah, man. And it, it, it what's crazy is like it was just one of the most satisfying. It was the most satisfying major championship win I think we've got a chance to watch in the last you know however many years outside of Tiger's win at the 2019 Masters. And yet he got to have the limelight for all of what, like, 12 hours before footage leaked of Bryson DeChambeau walking behind Bruce Kepka and Metal Spikes. 
And, and the whole golf Love world that. just shifted. It was like, all right, no more Phil. Let's focus on this for a while. <laughs> Good for Phil. And Phil doesn't need all the hype. Phil's just going to go get hammered by himself. He doesn't need everybody following him around while he gets hammered. Loki, Brooks, and Bryson should fight, dude. I'm on Team Brooks. Everybody knows that. I think Brooks Show. has actually been in a fight before. I don't think Bryson's ever been in a fight <laughs> his whole entire life, dude. I think if they're boxing, dude, I think Brooks KOs him in the first round, dude. Don't at me. Yeah, I, it's no really funny. Cap. I, I've never been a fan of either guy, and yet this 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 tiff, as we'll say, has forced me to pick a side, and I'm 100 percent on Team Brooks. Like, there's yeah, no possible way you can be you can be in Bryson's corner on this. Like, right? Like, well, it, I mean, you know, no, we're not in Bryson's corner. This is not a Bryson podcast. This is a Brooks friendly podcast. All right, what, what, one last detour before we finish up our uh, our, our U.S. Open preview here. Okay, I'm sorry, I, I got to take one one last little detour. Did you hear? about uh, what was going on uh, today, earlier today, at the Corn Ferry Tour qualifying uh, regarding a couple of guys who teed off at 8.10 this morning. And uh, it, there, there may have been a, a, a scrum of sorts. Are you aware of this news story? I heard that, two, uh, that a dude hit another dude. I so, heard that another dude physically put his hands on another dude, which okay. is wild. So at uh, this was a Corn Ferry Monday qualifier at Sand Creek Station Golf Club. In Newton, Texas, or Newton, Kansas, excuse me. Uh, 8.10 tee Sick. time, uh, three golfers, uh, let me see here. Basically, long story short, the group was falling a little bit behind, um, and it, I think they're probably like over a full hole behind or something like that. They're, they're And so they get to, uh, one. I think it was the par three seventh hole, right? And one of the guys hits his, you know, shot in the short left in the shit, and then the two guys go up, and one of the guys is helping him look for the ball. The other guy... Who has not helped, you know, any of the players look for their balls all day. It's him and his dad, right? Is, is caddying for him. And, you know, basically, you know, they're, they're not helping. They haven't been helping with any errant shots all day. The other guy who was helping the dude that hit it in the shit, you know, he went up to actually play, you know, finish out and get to the next tee to try to get their group back on pace. And, you know, after the guy finally, you know, hits his, I don't know if he finds it or he basically finishes out the hole as he's walking away. He like mentioned something to the guy that didn't help him look for his golf ball all of. Hey man, like you know, wouldn't uh, you know, would have been nice if you know you could, could help look for the ball. I think we'd be able to catch back up on pace. And uh, apparently, this was just a little too much for this guy. And like his, his dad, who was his caddy, was like, "My son's not here to look for golf balls." And then as they're walking up to the eighth tee, basically the dude like attacked the guy. Basically, started like you know just assaulted the dude and started punching him on like the seventh green for like basically. Being like, yo, dude, you need to help me look for golf balls. We'll play faster, right? And he starts punching the dude. The guy who had like gone ahead to try to get him back on pace in the eighth tee sees what's happening, starts running back to the seventh green to try to be like the peacemaker. And then the dude's the kid who's assaulting the other guy's caddy, the dad, takes his putter out of the bag and goes and gets between the guy and basically is waving the putter at him, threatening, you know, basically threatening to hit him upside the head with his fucking putter if he gets in the middle of him. He's like, you know, kind of just like let the boys fucking scrap. Right, and so this this shit goes on in the seventeenth of a fucking corn fairy tour like qualifier. And by the way, this is great reporting from Ryan French of the Fire Pit Collective. So shout out to Ryan for for some sensational uh, reporting. And you know, clubhouse gets called to come out. They you know, they take everybody back to the clubhouse. The dude gets arrested, <laughs> and then basically one of the PGA one of the officials takes the guy back out who got assaulted and walks with them to finish like finish his qualifying round. And then, of course, you know, big big shout out to the, the PGA sectional site. They uh, they refunded his entry fee for the tournament as well as a as a sorry that that uh, that happened. 
And that he got, that he got assaulted. That's wild that he got assaulted. So the guy not looking for golf balls got assaulted. No, the guy not looking for golf balls assaulted the guy for having the, the just the gumption to actually say, "Hey, man, like we could probably play a little faster if you help me look for golf balls." To which the dad was oh, like, geez. "We're not here to look for golf balls." And apparently they were falling behind all day. Like I guess like the same guy, the the assaulter was refusing to like put pins in after he would finish out. And it was like kind of causing like the group to have to like play a little oh, slow. Yeah. Just being a general grade A dickhead. And, uh, I, this is the first fist fight that I've heard of in a professional qualifier. At least to my knowledge. Am, am I missing something? It's only the second fist fight I've ever heard of on a golf course ever. So <laughs> like, it's for sure the first one in a professional qualifier, second one ever on a golf course. So, I mean, is this what we can expect on the seventh hole on Sunday between Brooks and Bryson? As they are in the last group on Sunday, just well. Luckily, they do that for a living, so I don't think they'd fight each other on the golf course. But oh boy, would they! I bet do they fight in the locker room for sure, dude. Bro, I would love to see them fight, but that's beside the point. I can't believe these two guys got in a physical altercation over golf, and that's wild. Like, okay, I kind of see the guy's point. It's not really his responsibility to look for golf balls. It takes three minutes if you can't find it, bro. Go drop, like, figure it out. You know, like, frankly, I hope you make a million. You know, (laughs) 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 but uh. I'm just kidding, but like, <laughs> it's uh, it's wild that like, it's wild that it came to physical blows, right? Like, that's wild. Like, I don't understand how, how as someone who's never been in a fight, I don't understand how anything ever gets to the point where you hit another person. It's like that seems wild. crazy to me, especially in golf, dude. What are you kidding me, dude? Like, I don't know. I don't. I don't even know where. Like I said, I don't even know where to begin unpacking that. I think it's an absolutely hilarious story. I'm happy that the guy got arrested. I feel like you have to if you assault somebody. But, like, what is – like, what do you think was going to happen? Like, he was just going to fight this guy and this dude was just going to play with a black eye the rest of the round? Like, I don't I don't understand. It's – I just I, – I just never thought golf was that intense. Like, I, granted, like, I know guys get very competitive when on the golf course, but I just – again, as somebody – as another person that's never been in a serious fight, I, I, I just – I don't know. Golf just never, ever gets me that riled up, no matter what I'm playing. Granted, if I miss a putt to lose like 500 bucks, I'm like bummed. Yeah. But, you know, like, I never, violent? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not gonna fight someone about it. I mean, sorry to everybody, you know, for sounding like like a Nancy right now, but it just, it just seems a little wild to me. Um, anyway, yeah, so that was, uh, if if you guys are interested in learning more, listen to this podcast, you can, uh, the article's titled, Let's Get Ready to Rumble on the Fire Pit Collective. Again, some nice reporting from uh, Ryan French on that one. Um, yeah. Okay. Back Very to the, named. I'm sorry, I like the title. Back to the U.S. Open. So you were saying this thing, you feel like it's wide open. And I I kind of tend to agree. So I guess my question to you is, of the guys, you know, kind of at the top of the world golf rankings, um, is there one of them that kind of stands out that you think's got a great chance? I mean, great. Having been so long since we got to pod last, we have all sorts of stuff we can touch on, and we're not going to you know, be repeating ourselves. I mean, what happened to John Rahm at the Memorial? Can can he keep playing that kind of golf leading into this U.S. Open? I think it's John Rahm's to lose, dude. I think John Rahm is so good and so dialed on Tory. He won his first tour event here on Tory. He he played on Poana Greens in college and shit, dude. I think John Rahm might bully the field, and that's what I was thinking too. With like 
the fact that it's going to be like a driving and putting contest, you know? Yeah. Dude, I think John Rahm might literally run away with this thing, dude. And I feel like he's so due. And out of the, all the names at the top of the world, I know that's an ice, like, not an ice cold take, but it's like a very reheated take. Everyone's taking him. But, like, dude, it's so hard not to. It's so hard not well, to. Like, I, I, I think it's Run through the top ten. DJ, DJ always plays, like, dick at Tory. Like, well, DJ I, might I, miss the cut. I was going to say, like, it, it's it's not very often that we get to do one of these major championship previews where you're not kind of leaning towards DJ to win. I, I, it's a lot It's a lot more uncommon that you're picking somebody not named Dustin Johnson than, you know. So to me, it comes as a little bit of a surprise that you are fully on the wrong wagon. Oh, yeah. I mean, listen, guys. We, everybody who listens to me talk about golf knows how much I love Dustin Johnson. That guy's sick. <laughs> I'm such a DJ guy. I'm first team all dj fan dude yes. like i love dj i pick dj all the time <laughs> there's no way dj's winning this week dude absolutely right? no way. he plays tory so bad he just doesn't play it good dude he just never plays it good ever dude so and i don't see today being or this week being any different okay so i i'm gonna break it down like this i'm, I'm actually just gonna use my pool that i'm in for the for, for the u.s open which by the way i'll uh i'll send you a link to if you if you want to get on this but we're Please basically do. they break the field up into like 13 tiers and you got to pick you know, one guy from each tier. So I'm actually just going to use that. It's kind of like a guy that you're looking at from each of like these like kind of top tiers of players and who you like between them, whether it's to win or to top 10 or something like that. And you can, you can just share with me whatever, uh, you know, whatever you like. We'll, we'll keep it somewhat brief. So, uh, in that first tier, it sounds like you're picking John Rahm because the other options would be DJ, Bryson, Xander, and Rory McElroy. Um, this is also Xander Shockley's backyard. I mean, do you, do you think if not John Rahm that he would have the next best chances to win this thing? Yes, but I don't want to take him just because I feel like those are everybody's top two. So I'm kind of leaning towards somebody else in that okay. top tier. I'll let you know when you get to him. I think Xander's due for one. I think the Masters might have been kind of tough for him. Um, and I, I just don't know. I think I think he might not be ready for – he's got a lot of hype this week, right? He's got a lot of hype. And I think John Rahm is a little more ready for the amount of hype he's getting than, than Xander is. You know, I feel like Xander's getting a lot of hype for this one more so than any of the other ones. For sure. Um, all right, so for the second tier, they've got Brooks – Morikawa, Spieth, JT, and Patrick Cantlay. Of those guys, who who does anybody there wet your beak a little bit? Yeah, dude. I think Morikawa. Look, he's gonna run train on that group, dude. dude. I think okay. Morikawa. He just hits it too good, you know. He There's just, a hey, lot of SoCal so boys in the field this week. Yeah, dude. I think you got to take a SoCal boy, low key. I think this is. I think this is home field advantage to the hardest. You know, I I, I like Colin, dude. Colin's so good with his irons, and I think he's a bulky, kind of a bulky putter, which will be a little sketch. But I, I think he's gonna hit more fairways and more greens than most. So I think Colin's gonna be the guy to bully that group. Well, and also if, if you if you like more Colin, you're a little worried about his putting, like we were saying before. This is the golf course where there's not a whole bunch of crazy slopes. I mean, if you're just if, if you're just kind of rolling the rock halfway decent. There's enough simple-ish putts out there where you could it, – it's it's not totally unlike Harding. You know, another California Muni that, you know, has a lot of similarities to Torrey Pines. Uh, to me, it makes sense. I think I, I think Colin's the guy in that group for sure, dude. I like Colin a lot. Does Spieth even have a remote chance to win this weekend? Of course, because he's such a good putter. He's such a good putter, and he's used to playing from the rough. So I think for sure Spieth's got a chance. But – uh I think it's a big ask for him. Yeah. I think it's a really big ask for him. He he won at a at a U.S. Open venue that had nothing was nothing like Tory. It was heavily sloped and a lot of undulations and uh, like pretty much short grass all the way around with a lot of runoffs at, at Chambers Bay and that's where he won, which is literally the polar opposite of what Tory Pines is. So <laughs> like, I don't think you can say like oh you know like 
he's won a U.S. Open, so he's good. Fit, his game's fit for that. It's like, eh, I don't think that's exactly what it is. <laughs> what about the uh, third tier? You got Finau, Vic Hovland, Pat Reed, 2021 Masters champion Hideki Matsuyama, Will Zalatoris, or Tyrell Hatton? I mean, I think it's so hard not to take Pat Reed there. He always plays good at Torrey. Right. His short game's good, and he's can he can judge it out of the Kikuya really good. So even if though he's gonna miss a bunch of greens, he'll miss him on the right side, and he'll be the guy getting up and down. He putts good. Not a, we all know where I stand on Patrick Reed, but I think it's again hard, really hard not to take him in that yeah, tier, so dude. If, the if other you're, one of those guys money. that I like a lot is yeah. I low-key like Hovland a lot too. I think Hovland's gonna play great. Okay. He's it, strong. It, it could, I, I feel like there's a total. There's completely there. There's a world where this is Vic Hovland's weekend. Yeah. Oh, for sure. For sure, dude. For sure. I think Vic. I think Victor Hovland has out of all the guys in the top tier. I think all the like you know you have the tier one and then of the guys in tier two, three, four. I think Hovland might be like the a good little sleeper pick in there. Like oh. it wouldn't surprise me at all if he won. And I think he's. I think he's the. Like very well set up for this golf course. Yeah, totally. Uh, next here, you got Shane Lowry, Scotty Scheffler, Dan Berger, Paul Casey, Justin Rose, and Louie. Fresh off another runner-up. Fucking classic Louie. I, <laughs> I, that group, that group is really tough. I feel like you just have to go with Paul Casey just because he's a ball and ball striker, but that's like, I mean, that's such a hard group to pick out of. I, I don't want to pick Louie, even though I love Louie and I'm sure Louie's going to play great, but I just, I, I don't like Louie. And I, not that I don't, I don't like Louie. Yeah. I love Louie. I don't know if it's, I don't know if it's I don't Louis like this Scotty Scheffler inspires no confidence. Dan Berger inspires no confidence. Not right now, anyway. No, none right now. I think Paul Casey might be the guy there. Maybe Justin Rose. He's won at Tory, but I don't know if Justin Rose is even playing that good right now. Yeah, for sure. All right, I got two more tiers to run through here. The next one, Webb, Phil, Cam Smith, Matt Fitzpatrick, Abe Anser, Jason Kokrak, and Joaquin. Cam Smith for sure. We're you like running like Biasi. Yeah, I like the Cam Smith. I think yeah, guys, he's so good, dude. I think he's so good. I think he's so freaking good. And the Australian dudes always play well at Tory. Where was Leishman, by the way? Where's Leash at? Did we skip Leash or did uh, I miss no, him? No, no, he's in the next tier. Oh well, then I don't even care who else is in that tier. We're yeah. in that tier. I don't even need to hear the other names. I would say the, the next, uh, the next tier, the sixth one: Corey Connors, Garrick Higo. <laughs> Hello, winner. Uh, Tom Fleetwood, Tom Fleetwood, Charlie Hoffman, Sung Jay, Leishman, Gary Woodland, Harris English. You still, you still going Leash? Everybody in that group. Oh my God. Yeah. Leash is, body, Leash is low man in that group. No, I'll, I'll, I'll take anyone. Slide in my Venmo if you want to take that. Cause I'll rip, I'll rip, I'll run with Leash in that group. Dude, he's bodying all those boys. Oh, I love it. All right. I, I, I'm going to go one more, one more, you know, tier for you just because there's some, some fun names on here as well. Uh, seventh tier. This is the last one we'll do together. Adam Scott, Max Homa, Sergio, Sam Burns, Brian Harmon, Brandon Grace, and Mr. Lee Westwood. Freshly married Lee Westwood. What a wild man that guy what is. A wild man. Just a, little, just a little detour to Vegas to, to marry your caddy on the way to the U.S. Open? Good for him. I want to, I feel like I want to have like six glasses of wine with Lee Westwood and just follow, like, and just do what he does in a normal totally. night. Totally. Be like, hey man, like, do you need a sous chef? Like, I'll dice onions. Like, what do you need me to do? Like, I'll, 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 I'll do whatever you need. I'll, I'll cork the bottles. I'll put them in the decanter. I'll let them breathe, dude. Like, what do you need me to do? But I'm here to hang, you know. Uh, <laughs> a wild time. Uh, I'm gonna go with. I'm just. I'm sticking. I'm going full team SoCal here. I think I'm gonna stick with Max Homa there. I like. That. I think he's due to play well. He's a good ball striker. Hits it long enough. Decent enough putter. He's been struggling with the putting lately, but. 
I feel like you got to run with Max, baby. Let's go, Kakuya boys. I was going to say, man, that is pretty, uh, I like it. It's a strong Southern California, you know, you know, representation in your in your lineup there. Is there any other names that I haven't mentioned that uh that you've kind of got your eye on? Maybe some some down down the ranking sleeper, someone you think has a chance to pop and maybe, you know, unexpectedly make their way into a top 10? Dude, I think Leash might unexpectedly pop and win the damn thing too, Loki. That was <laughs> yeah. my name. That's why I asked where Leash was cuz I was like, man, that's a, I feel like that's the the top fifty guy to pick. You know, I'll say, I don't. Like, I don't have the odds in front of me. Do you know what Leash's odds are to win this thing? I don't. I don't. Fifty to one. Yeah, it's a. Uh, huh. That could be a very tasty, tasty little uh, little take there. I like that a lot. Ah, Leash. Yeah. No, this is gonna be this is gonna be a very very fun tournament. So between Leash and John Rum, where do you go? I feel like you have to go John Rom just because John Rom is a class player. But I think I dude I Your think heart wants to pick Mark Leishman. My heart wants to pick Mark Leishman, dude. I think Mark Leishman might bully the field a little bit this week. But I think John dude, I think it's like It would be so fun to watch Mark Leishman win a major. Like can oh, we just yeah. take a moment like I granted, the odds are it's not gonna happen, right? There's a lot of guys in the field and the fact that you could just pick one to win, it's never like, you know but Mark Leishman major champion would just be really good for golf. I, I, did, I, I just like the sound of that. I mean, he's just a perennial pro, and he's a, always a winner on the PGA Tour. He's good at golf. <laughs> hashtag good at golf. <laughs> uh, I, I think it'd be great. I think he'd be. I think he'd be slightly disappointing. Put it this way: I think if Mark Leishman wins the U.S. Open at 12 under, the U.S. Open is never going back to Tory Pines. You know, like, I think that's, like, the nail in the coffin, right? Like, I think that might be just, like, go fucking, like, the it's out. But if John Rahm wins at, like, three under, then you bet your ass we're coming back here in 2034, dude. I'll say, the last two names I want to ask you about before we uh, before we put a wrap on this thing. Um, going back up to that top tier, we really, you know, outside of, you know, getting in an altercation, I mean, do you think Bryson has, has a good chance to win this weekend? Yeah, I think Bryson does. I think it's hard. I mean, that guy is low-key built for U.S. Opens, you know, especially long U.S. So, yeah, Opens. So, yeah, sorry, defending rough, U.S. So. Open champion Bryson DeChambeau. Like, uh, that's yeah, yeah. still weird to it'd say. Be disrespectful. It'd be disrespectful to say he didn't have a chance, dude. That guy obviously has a chance. He's so – his game is so tailor-made for U.S. Opens. Like, I, you know where I stand with him, so I would never pick him on principle. But I mean, yeah, it's it wouldn't be surprising at all if he balled out. His game is just tailored for U.S. Well, I was I was gonna say is, I think it's north, but I'll ask you: Is Fresno technically northern or southern California? Because you're Dude, by, I, by I, car, I, you're a lot closer. I feel like to L.A. than you are to the Bay Area, but I, it I might be Fresno, equidistant. I, I think Fresno's Central California, dude. I think there's a strong contingency of people who recognize Central California as a thing. Which is literally just like a wild thing. I think Fresno is truly Southern California. If you had to put it in a Southern California, Northern California bucket, I think Fresno Southern California. Okay. Uh, I think Northern California starts Loki and Salinas. That's where I draw the line. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, because I'll say like Salinas slow, County. slow and everything south is all Southern California, and like Monterey and everything. Yes, yeah, north is all. Well, that's see that see. I think slow and Santa Barbara are Southern California because they got that like beachy yeah, sure. warm weather vibe for sure. But I think like slow and Fresno, like low key and body and uh, like 
pa- uh, oh my god, what's it called? Why can't I think of it right now? Off the top of my head, Jesus Christ, Paso Robles and yeah. like Solvang mm-hmm. and those whole areas. I think those whole areas are like very distinctly Central California. But you know, we don't yeah. have to. We don't have to put all of California in a bucket on this. No, podcast. no. So, well, I'm only asking because, like, does does you know Bryson DeChambeau give you another chance to pick another SoCal boy to win to win this thing? I, uh, I I I'm just impressed at how many SoCal boys are on tour, dude. I mean, I listen. I don't want to sit here and say that we breed them, but check the numbers and get back. Strong, to them. yeah. As I say, strong stock down there, dude. It's it's really it's really nice. Uh, the other top guy, Charlie Hoffman, even too, dude. We got a bunch yeah. of strong. Nobody's. Is anybody talking about Rory McIlroy to win this golf tournament? I feel like in, in a normal world, this is a golf course that should play really, really nice for Rory. And yet, I don't. I feel like I haven't talked or heard of anybody that thinks Rory McIlroy has a chance to win this weekend. Am, am I am I on an island? I uh, I love Rory. We all know this, but Rory just makes me sad rooting for him now. Yeah. He just doesn't <laughs> win, dude. He just doesn't win. So it's just like I just get sad. Because I just want him to win so bad. I know. Want know what he does? He doesn't. He just doesn't win. He like I want him to win so bad, and he goes and he refuses to win, dude. He just he simply refuses. It's a tough scene. I'm I'm not considered high. And I don't think I don't. Dude, he's never played Tory historically well, bro. Like I don't know. Just I don't think it lines up for him, dude. Even though I love him, I love him, but I don't think it lines up, dude. You made me laugh so hard earlier on this podcast when you were asking me who I picked, and you were like, "Dude, it's shocking that you're not picking DJ." And then I literally ran through all my picks of like the last six majors, and I think I literally picked DJ every time. Yeah, dude. I was gonna say, I feel like every time we do a preview podcast, I'm like, "There's a lot of guys playing good golf," and you're like, "Why would you pick anybody but DJ?" And I'm like. Yeah, I feel like most of the time you got a good point, you know. That's dude, fair. that's literally my energy with that guy. I, dude, I, I don't, dude. That First guy team all DJ. Most, he's the most underappreciated superstar we have in this game, bro. Like he's, I think he's so good, dude. And no, and I mean, every I, everyone's like, oh, he's an underachiever. It's like, dude, he's won literally twenty five times. Like, point me to the next guy that's won more than twenty since DJ came out on tour, dude. Fun fact: the none, dude. Do you think, all right, the over-under, I'm going to set it like three and a half hours of time spent per day by Dustin Johnson on a boat or watercraft of some kind? Three hours, for sure. I think it's under three and a half. Under three and a half. Okay. I think it's five hours of total boating time. You got to get it, go down to the dock. You got to get the kids in their life vest. You got to make sure Paulina's got her rosé. You got to make sure you got your beers in the cooler. You know, that takes an hour. You got to load up the boat. Then you got to deload the boat. You know, that takes 45 minutes, you know, and you're kind of drunk. So you're not really deloading very efficiently, you know, so that that could add up kind of quick. So I think it's like three hours water time, five hours total boating activity time. Okay, that's fair. I just feel like I don't see a lot of Dustin Johnson anywhere but on a boat if he's not playing a competitive round of golf. I I don't know. Maybe, Maybe I'm just looking the wrong places. I don't know. Well, that also makes him even more sicker because now he's right. better than when he's out here fishing. Dude. So get it? Like that's another reason. It's like why? Why wouldn't you pick him? He's nice with it, dude. Oh man, that's incredible. Well, dude, I gotta tell you, man, I am uh, I'm significantly more juiced for this U.S. Open than I was an hour ago when we started kicking this thing off, man. You got any uh, any other little nuggets you you, you want to share that we uh, that we should hit before we uh, we put a wrap on this thing? Yeah, I'm thinking. Let me think. I think I got a couple more nuggets. Yeah, so, please, please, as many nuggets as you can provide me with. I think – I'm just thinking of the golf course right now. I think hole two is going to play easy. So I think we're going to see hella birdies on hole two, which will be rad. 
I think hole 12 is going to be a fucking monster, dude. I'm super excited to see how hole 12 plays. I think that one's going to be a brute. And uh, and hot take, I think the lake on 18 is whack, dude. Slide in my DMs and tell me <laughs> if I'm wrong because I think that lake is stupid. But anyway, that, those, are, that, those are the last couple things I have to say about Tori. It's, it's kind of crazy. Like Tori is one of those venues that they play every single year. And it is one of the few venues, like Pebble Beach, that has a annual tour event that also gets to be in the major championship rotation. And with so much professional golf being played there, I have such a hard time remembering holes at Torrey Pines, which is usually something I'm pretty nice at. And I just, they all blend together me out there outside of that really fabulous lake on 18. They they all, they all kind of blend together. Dude, that lake is so dumb, dude. It's literally not in the way of the layup and not in the way of the third shot. It's only in the way of the second shot, but it's really not. It's really not. Who hits it in the lake except for Kyle Stanley when he literally lays the sod over it from 208 like an idiot, you know? Like, no one hits it in that fucking lake. <laughs> oh, just you wait. Is is somebody – okay, over – I was like, yeah, minus, minus 300, a person in the final pairing dips it on 18 on Sunday. I don't think – I think you'll see more people dip it in the water on 18 at any point in the tournament with a wedge in your hand than you will with someone going for the green in two, which is so dumb, dude. Like, like it, uh, yeah, I think I think they're going to put the pin front left one of those days in that bowl. And, I mean, for no, anybody who hasn't played Tori, that bowl actually on the front left is low-key gnar. Like, it's actually very mm. steep, and, like, they're going to shave that edge that goes into the water. So I think I low-key think the first ball in the water will be a wedge spun back in there. But if they put the pin in any of the other locations, it's a four. It's, think of that green as a square with each quadrant being like you know square with two lines crosshairs yeah. in it. You know, of the four quadrants, they're all pretty chill except for the front left one. And they're probably just gonna put the pin in each quadrant each day. You know, which is chill. Like you know, on yeah. Sunday they put it front right. But the front left one, whenever that one is, that one is juice. That's the juice city water. Like that one is when water can might happen. <laughs> the other three, dude, if you hit it in the water, you low key missed it so bad. <laughs> are they gonna have the grandstand set up all around eighteen where the guys are gonna have like a backstop where they can just fucking fly it twenty yards over the green and they know they're gonna get a free drop? Is that is that a thing at Tory? Yes. Yeah, that's happening. That's yeah. Thing, okay. That's well, okay. That's what I'm yeah. telling you, dude. No one's hitting in the water on their second. Yeah. Okay. Well. Should make for some exciting golf. <laughs> that's going to be absolutely riveting because I think the leaderboard is going to be good. So yeah. that's what I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome, man. Well, I got to tell you, Mr. Durr, this has been fabulous. It's been a, a really much-needed return to normalcy for me here after a little uh, after a little two-month uh, detour, which actually, oddly enough, the last podcast that I did with, uh, with Jess was the night before uh, my son was born. And here I am. He is two months old today. And here I am, right, right back on the airwaves, and it feels good. Shout out to Guy, dude. Shout out to, <laughs> shout out to Guy, man. Good for him. Twenty forty eight Masters champion, Guy sir. Dude, I'll be there. Yeah. I'll be there. Watching, dude. I'll we'll be, be there, there, dude. Like, dude, I know your dad. I'll get you. I'll get, I'll, I'll get you tickets if, if if it should happen. I I will I will I will secure the tickets for us. I'm aggressively rooting for it now. Sick. <laughs> All right. All right. That was so fun, dude. I'm so excited to watch the U.S. Open, guys. And, I mean, listen, Tori's going to be incredible. The leaderboard's going to be great. It's going to be a very, very fun tournament. I'm super excited. Let's put on for some San Diego fans. Let's get let, – I. it's going to be good. You know, it's going to be good. I'm very, very, very excited. Well, something, man. All right, everybody, enjoy the U.S. Open at Tory Pines this weekend. We will be back with you hopefully soon to talk about what we can only hope is going to be a just exceptionally exciting and riveting golf tournament. 
Oh, Can't wait. Can we talk about John Rom bullying the field. Yep, that's it. Sounds good. Unless DJ comes out of nowhere. Let's go. All right. Love you, buddy. All right. We'll talk to you soon, man. Later, Kyle. Thank you so much, man.